Hello, and welcome to the new Sea Trade Cruise Talks podcast. I'm Ann Kalosh, and today, for the second in our series, I'm going to be talking with Louis Ahamil, President and CEO of Bermeo Ahamil and Partners. Louis is one of the world's foremost experts in cruise port planning. Ports and destinations are critical to the cruise industry's COVID-19 recovery. Lewis is going to talk about his blueprint for healthy cruising, which aims to get ports thinking about what they need to do to prepare for handling cruise ships again. I spoke from my desk in Washington, D.C. via Microsoft Teams with Lewis in Miami. His high-rise office has a bird's-eye view of the blue sea and sailboats in the beautiful Coconut Grove Marina. But like many of us, he's working from home. And during our chat, even his squeaky home office chair got a few points in. Listen for it. Tell us a little bit about Bermeo Ahanil and Partners' role in the cruise industry. Well, BNA, as we call it, to make it shorter, has been fortunate enough to be working on the cruise industry for, gosh, just too long, since the 70s, since the late 70s. And although our practice is predominantly architecture, engineering, and the design of the physical infrastructure for ports for the cruise industry over the years, our practice really has grown into a consultancy service that provides financial modeling, market forecasting, strategic planning, master planning, and then the development of these facilities. So we have a very broad practice that we've been fortunate enough to be able to work with the industry from a South Florida location to worldwide. And we've helped many, many ports to be able to develop their facilities to meet the cruise industry and also helped a lot of the cruise lines in a lot of their own investments on land-based facilities. And you've had projects in some of the largest and most important cruise ports all around the world. Well, we think so. We think we're the best, we're the largest in this business, having started with the Port of Miami, which is the largest cruise port ever, and then literally have done most of the major facilities in the United States, in Asia, all over Europe and South America. So we've been very, very fortunate, and we think it's a reflection of just providing smart, practical solutions that the industry needs. Well, turning to the very difficult situation that the cruise business is facing now with COVID-19, you have created a blueprint for a healthy cruise industry. And you brought up a very interesting point about the historic role of ports. Tell a little bit about that. We've been living in such a wonderful era where Health has been taken care of, many diseases eradicated, and we sort of forgot about how viruses and diseases moved around the world and the role that ports played for many years. So although none of us are old enough to remember, we all know the old pictures of the time when there were great plagues around the world. And one of the things that was always, always in everybody's mind is when these ships would arrive in one of the great harbors of the world, what care and attention they would have to take about everything from the ship. And nothing is more iconic in my mind than those things they put around the the ship lines to prevent rats from coming off. And we still do it. 
even though the plagues and so forth don't exist. So when you think about immigration and movement of people in the 1800s, the port were at the center of public health. And one of the major roles played by port was the ability to safeguard the health of communities and countries where people came in. And in fact, when you look at some of the older ports where their charters have go back for several decades, I mean centuries, that's in there. That is a rule. And that's a role that over the years, it's never been forgotten, but there's been no need to execute. Certainly in the Americas, in other parts of the world, they're a little bit different. And we can talk about that in a minute, but certainly in the Americas and Europe, that role has diminished. So in your blueprint for a healthy cruise industry, you're advocating a ports-led recovery for cruising in the COVID-19 area. Talk a little bit about what you have in mind. Well, I'm not sure the ports lead this, but the ports have a very, very important role that they haven't had to do up to now, as I mentioned before. So the cruise industry has been a phenomenal industry in overcoming adversity, whether it has been issues with their viruses, whether it's been issues of terrorism, whether there's issues of operating an unstable climates when there's been war and other things or whether there is economic downturns or even accidents. The cruise industry has overcome and done very well. And here we're entering a period of something that would seem that the cruise industry should be able to overcome. But when you think of the hurdles, I don't believe the cruise industry by itself, the cruise lines by themselves, can solve the problem 100%. And here's why. I think cruise lines are very hard at work trying to find that solution to attract the customer back to provide a healthy environment on the vessel, to maintain cleanliness and sanitation to to a great level better than any other type of experience. But now cruise lines have to worry, and it's not an area that nobody's focusing on, that when a passenger does arrive at a destination, that all what I just talked about, the public health part. What if a community does not want to have cruises come in because they're afraid of the stigma that has been created over the past few months. So now, who solves that? Well, the cruise lines could try to solve it, but it would be pretty self-serving if they, in fact, are the ones that certify a passenger coming into a country is capable of coming in. It's sort of like doing customs and immigration work. So that is a role where either public health agencies or the ports or a combination of two have to take that lead. And it's a role that doesn't exist today. So the ports really have to become almost the safe havens for the communities to assure the communities that business for the community and they're going to do whatever's in their power to protect the community they serve. And after all, that's what Ports are there to serve particular communities and countries. So it's a role that fits well, but it's a role right now is not yet understood. And there's little guidance at this point of who's going to be doing what. Lewis, what is your current read? Do ports and destinations want cruise ships coming back? I don't know of any port that doesn't. I think most ports do it, but a lot of ports also responds to the dialogue that has been created in their community. There are many, many ports around the world where their boards, their policy bodies are elected. So they have to respond to the community needs. And until that dialogue gets resolved by both 
cruise lines doing what they're, I'm sure they're going to be doing and promoting the product as a safe product. But then the port fitting in the role of saying there is going to be a check and balance here. Then I think that that will solve a lot of the issues with the ports. But it will still be an issue of certain factions in a particular community where they might not want to have cruises. It might not be convenient for certain people in a community. So they will use this to raise issues that could easily be solved if everybody works together as a cohesive unit. And that's why we call it a blueprint, because it's not just one entity doing something. It's going to require many entities doing something, working in parallel under one coordinated effort. You're advocating for a holistic approach. It's got to be. I mean, I don't know that there's any choices in. I think that short of that, it will fail because, yes, there are many places that a cruise company might be able to take a ship without the approach that I'm taking, uh, that I'm expounding. But by and large, most of the larger ports that we're talking about are looking for some safeguards that they have to institute. those ports and destinations that want cruise ships to return be doing right now to prepare? Maybe we can take a page from what happened in Asia. When we were fortunate enough to work on the designs for the big terminals in Asia, at that point, it always struck us, and this is maybe six, seven, eight years ago, and these were, at that time, the largest investments in cruise that were being made around the world, is that when you got to the customs area, they weren't called customs or immigration. They were called CIQs, and the Q stand for quarantine. And in those terminals, at that point, they had health checks capability. Mainly at that point was temperature checks and questionnaires, but the space was provided. That element is missing in the Western world today because there is no queue in any of these ports. So who operates, whose role that is. But at the end of the day, the facilities are going to have to be provided to provide the assurances that are needed on disembarking parties. Likewise, you know, cruises are very hard at work at thinking how they're going to assure their customers that they're going to have a healthy facility. And in our mind, that really directs almost the solution is that you're going to have to take a little bit, you're going to have the embarkation process, the check-in process, are going to take longer and that's going to impact facilities so ports need to get ahead of that and figure out what that is so that they're ready so if a cruise company is in fact ready to start operating in october or august or july whatever they're ready to go on that so that's why we're advocating that the role for the ports are there any governing or regulatory bodies that are going to set standards for these terminals in the future so that everyone is adhering to at least certain minimal health standards to protect people? So it's sort of interesting that that's a question that I don't know that I've heard the answer for. I think in the United States, cruise lines are looking to CDC to give them guidance of when they can sail, but being provided guidance of what needs to happen when they arrive at a particular port. I haven't heard that anybody's doing it because 
that role in many cases has belonged to public health agencies, which in the United States are done at the state or even local level. So that process in a coordinated fashion needs to occur. And the rationale needs to be that based on one standard, which is yet to be determined. So that's why this, again, the, the blueprint needs to guide that process so that the facilities could be built. Sometimes we try to equate this to what happened after 9-11 and the advent of major security provisions at airports. And at first, they stuck these machines in the middle of lobbies at the entrance. There was no room to put them, but you could not operate without them. And now, many years later, this becomes commonplace that these things are there in a logical place and people are accustomed to going through it. So we're sure that there's going to be processes that are going to be added, both on the embarkation to protect the vessel and on the disembarkation to protect the communities. And that's what we're trying to promote in a unified effort. And you are suggesting a scalable system. I understand. Explain that. I think we are are longing for a period where this is behind us and we can go back to 2019 when the virus was not even in anybody's mind. So I think it'd be stupid to create a system that needs to operate when we're beyond this pandemic. So you can take a page out of some of these security books in which they have different levels. But in this case, you know, level one might be, well, there's no pandemic, there's no virus, there's no need to spend any money or have these kind of checks, but that then you can ramp it up, whether it's a small outbreak or whether it's a more international outbreak. And this is also the thing that will provide assurances to the cruise lines that they'll be able to operate on an ongoing basis and not have to go through another one of these incredibly difficult shutdowns that they've had to go through. So it will protect everybody. It will protect the, the public and it will protect the, the cruise lines. So that would be a sort of permanent system like MARSEC level one, MARSEC level two, et cetera. That would be the kind of parallel. Except that in MARSEC level one, there's security. And in MARSEC level two, it's higher security. In this system, you could have in your health level one, you might not have anything. You know, all the machinery is turned off. There's no need to impose a health check on people or systems when there's no threat. So that's the difference. So it can be turned off or turned on at different levels. And security, you can't do that. You have to be very cautious because these things then take a life of their own and become their own industry and become a permanent cost structure that we all accept when there might not be a need to have that permanency to these things. And just so we understand about some of the things that the terminals and ports will have to be thinking about, are we talking about mandatory temperature checks for arriving passengers off a cruise ship? Or what, what types of things are under consideration? You know, the cruise lines are working on some of these procedures and biologists and doctors and so forth will provide some guidance. We're looking at it more at a higher level that says, one is you will have to do some checks. I think everybody gets it now that with this particular virus, temperature checks are nice, but they're not the answer. I think we've all now <laughs> learned this, that this is not necessarily the full answer. So my census tells me that there's going to have to be beyond that point. So you're going to have to provide a system that, number one, 
keeps your boarding processes and your boarding spaces safe, that you're not accumulating any viruses. That's number one. Number two, you can create systems that can sanitize everything that goes on a vessel. That, whether it's UV lights or other types of things, that could occur today, and that could be added in the back of house of the terminals. You could create systems where a cruise lines might ask customers to have tests taken in advance. I mean, that could be almost a benefit to a customer to say, hey, have a virus check you know, within the first week before going aboard. We see that as a possibility, and then you, you basically get a pass going through. And if not, there might be some need for testing. But what that's going to mean in terminals is people will have to stay a little bit longer. So the terminals might have to grow in space to allow these people to arrive and stay there comfortable. You might make it into a value proposition. You might want to sell some coffee or, you know, or a bar while things are going on. So the terminal, instead of pushing people through fast, might be a place where people feel comfortable that once they get over that spot, they're in a very healthy environment. And then there might be a role, which is not just the terminals, but with the ports, is where do you provide the services to crew and others to be able to you know, go through all their checks and even spaces that if in fact somebody does get sick, that there are places on the port that can handle this. So there has to be a systematic approach that is not just as simple as saying, let's go buy a few thermometers and keep the facility clean. I, th- I think people are more sophisticated than that and will need more assurances. And the scope of your blueprint, are you talking about an entire region, the entire world should be following these same standards? How will it work? Well, at this point, we're not trying to set a standard. We're trying to, in a way, a call to action because what we're seeing is that certain people are waiting for the cruise lines. Cruise lines might be waiting for the CDC. And this is a way of getting things moving in parallel together. Because it's all so new, we we see a lot of people just waiting for some guidance from somebody. So the blueprint is basically saying, folks, this is a much more complex than just the cruise lines can handle. There's a role not only for the ports on embarkation, for the ports in disembarkation, and there's going to be a role for every port of call. And I think that most of that, there's a value proposition to the cruise lines and to the customer of being able to sell a vacation that's healthier than anything else, and therefore it's more valuable. There's a value proposition in passengers that know that they're going to be in a super healthy environment. So we're trying to raise that level of awareness at this point without setting the standard. It's not for us to set a standard at this point, but we know that we have to do a lot of work. Let's talk a little bit about the geographical recovery. Cruise line executives have suggested that it would be logical that cruising restarts following the curve of the virus. So perhaps in China first and then maybe in Europe and only after that in the United States and the Caribbean. What do you think of that? The cruise executives would know more because they're going to make the decision where they're going to execute. I think logic tells you that there's strengths and weaknesses in certain areas. Obviously, the pandemic itself has a particular time clock to it, which from what we read in the press, you know, whether it wanes now in the summer and it comes back in the fall in the northern hemisphere versus the southern hemisphere, so that's going to have a play. 
I'm looking at it from the two sides, the logistics. And with the large population base of the United States, probably the first shot is to get to delivery from ports that people can easily for them to drive than just having to complete the entire cycle of flying and you know all the other elements that get to a cruise. So that logic tells you that U.S. ports and some cruise lines have already announced that they want to work from certain U.S. ports make sense. On the other hand, you might have U.S. ports in which the itineraries are not yet resolved because of this issue that the reception by a government to allow cruises in is not clear and without the standards. So that might push it that Asian ports that are much more advanced in that, that they have the procedures, that they have the structure, that they have the clarity in terms of who does what might be well ahead of everybody else in this. So I think that the recovery will be faster than most people think, because I think once you get over the first few weeks of hump of having healthy cruises, I think, you know, confidence will build up and people are just tired of staying home. I mean, the last thing I think all of us that are staying home, working from home and buying from home and doing everything from home, I think everybody's hungry for relaxation. So safe relaxation. So the demand is going to be incredible. What if there is some type of outbreak? Do you think it's going to be a different story going forward than it was the first time around? If they do it right, they know what the pitfalls were already because they were at the tip of the spear on this. I think all the cruise lines are smart enough, certainly the ones that I know, are smart enough that they want to avoid that at all costs. And the way I keep thinking about it is the cruise ship is the most manageable environment all on earth. You know, there's six, eight, ten doors where everything goes into a cruise ship. People, services, water, you know, everything goes through those ten slots with the technology that will exist in the next few months, whether it's testing, whether disinfection, whether all the things that we're seeing, communications. Nobody can assure 100%, but I think cruise lines can promote a very healthy environment and go beyond, you know, the things that were instituted with with the other viruses, which were at a different category. And so we're beyond Purell at the, um, you know, at the the food line. So, uh, and I think they all recognize that. Talking a, a little bit more about where cruising may restart, Royal Caribbean CEO Michael Bailey recently predicted there's going to be a lot of variation even from country to country or area to area within a country. And uh, he seems to be suggesting that we won't be seeing broad cruise regions like we're used to, as we typically think of Canada, New England, for example, all opening at the same time, but rather more contained areas. Do you agree with that? And how would this work given cabotage restrictions, for example? Well, it sounds logical. I mean, it has to restart. There's no way this system can restart from zero to 100 quickly. It's going to take time and all the logistics and getting the fleet back deployed. So just from that point of view, what he's saying makes a lot of sense. So as you begin to deploy, does it actually begin to work in the way that the cruise industry really started, which really the cruise industry was in the Caribbean and in the Americas and eventually went to Mediterranean, then to Northern Europe, then to Asia, you know, and Australia and so forth. I think 
the, the industry is broad enough that you will have pockets, but you won't be able to cover the whole world because there won't be enough in order. So as their occupancy start to build up, I think that they'll take it at the pace that they see what the occupancy rates are and the ability to sail at the rates that they want to achieve. So I, it makes sense to me. It's hard to predict right now where it's because of the complexity of where the virus is. And each line might be a little bit different. Some might want to start from the United States and some might want to start in Asia or both. But that part, you know, we're not there yet to figure that out. Could you talk about the cabotage perspective in a market like Alaska, for example? Right. There are some very specific ones, obviously, all the U.S.-based ports, which need to have that cabotage angle. So I think for the Caribbean, I don't think that would be much of an issue. Many of the cruise lines have their own destinations and islands, which they could control the sanitation of those to the point that they have confidence on what comes in and out. So I don't see the Caribbean with that issue. Alaska, right now, this is one of the big, how is Canada going to deal with it? So the Canadian ports still have limitations, which don't allow it. But nobody's really gotten yet into the meat of that. And that's part of this holistic approach. If you don't solve that, you have no cruising. So whether in Canada they allow some Canadian ports to have ships, you know, what they're talking about is maybe have ships make technical calls in a particular port to allow cabotage to be satisfied, but passengers do not get off. You know, that, that's that's an interesting idea. You know, in, in the long term, uh, that has to be solved. Now, the thing about Alaska is I think it's pretty realistic to there's a very limited time left in this season. So the cruise lines have, I think with a May 2021 startup, there's a lot of things available to the cruise lines then and to the ports to be ready. And they should take the time wisely now to do it. So I think Alaska will come back very strongly in 2021 because of the time, but it's just going to be, unfortunately, they're going to be really impacted this year. You're listening to the second Sea Trade Cruise Talks. We thought this would be a great way to bring conversations with key industry figures directly to you. During our first in this new podcast series, I spoke with Peter Holt of VCAN Solutions about COVID-19 healthcare perspectives. If you're looking for additional up-to-date information, I invite you to head over to Seatrade Cruise News at seatrade-cruise.com. Recently, we featured stories about building sustainability into COVID-19 recovery in an interview with Per Bjornsson, the director of V-Ships Leisure, and in a story about Landry and Kling's new sustainable ships initiative that aims to change the narrative about cruise ships and the environment. Take a look at the show notes below for links to these articles. During this pandemic and what happens on the other side of it, we'll be there for you with the latest news and developments. Now let's get back to the interview with Louis Ahamil of Bermeo Ahamil and Partners, where I asked what happens next with this blueprint for healthy cruising and who will spearhead this action plan. So we've been sounding out this idea now for a few weeks with some close friends in the industry to see if the idea has legs. 
we don't want to be out there trying to promote policy or direction on behalf of ports or cruise lines. That's not our role. Our role, we thought, was to fill in a missing gap in communication between those industries, then even the third parties and the destinations themselves. So our main message will be, and our plan is to release it next week. We're finalizing and making a few tweaks that we caught last night. There were some typos and things like that. So is to be able to get that out. And we will start out with the major ports and then little by little to directly to ports. Obviously, we'll communicate with the cruise lines because it would be ideal if everybody thinks that this makes sense. And again, we're not trying to step on anybody's shoes. We're not trying to set the standards. We're not trying to set the operational parameters here. But we, I think we can paint a vision of what needs to happen and then people can start filling in the gaps, you know, what needs to be addressed and what can be done physically in the time frame that we have. It will just be a running start. And it might be that certain ports will be able to get ready and maybe that will fulfill the prophecy that only certain areas can get started because some ports might not be ready. But I can tell you the ports right now are hungry for information and maybe this will start the dialogue. Well, very good. Is there anything else that you would like to add at this point? The document's written in the spirit of being helpful to everyone. It is not something that is to create a business for us at all because we've been very successful with the industry in all other facets. So we want to see the ports and the industry succeed, and that's the intent of our of our effort here. And uh, we hope that it will be received in that fashion. Thanks for joining our second edition of Sea Trade Cruise Talks. If you enjoyed this or if you have any topics you'd like us to explore, be sure to let us know on Twitter or Instagram at Sea Trade Cruise. I'm Ann Kalosh. Stay safe, everyone. Mm-hmm.